Hello, welcome to Groomed LA, The Beautiful Life Awaits. This is episode four, and this is Emily Wagner. I'm your host, with a smile. So today, I'm super excited to bring to you a dear friend of mine, who is someone I, you know, you have those girlfriends that you just kind of like, you totally admire for 7,000 reasons. That's my guest today. Today, I have Monet Mazur. Monet is an actress. Oh, by the way, just booked a television show, just like that, you know, just that kind of actress, like just booked a show and we'll find about how that works. And she's been a model. She's one of, she's so beautiful that she's actually hard to look at. Like you definitely need to wear sunglasses. It's like kind of like looking at the sun, like it hurts. My eyes hurt. My eyes hurt when I look at Monet. She is not just beautiful physically, but she radiates. Oh, and by the way, stay tuned and don't dro- don't 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 space out because you're going to find out why she radiates and what makes her radiate because this really comes from deep within. And she happens to look fantastic anyway, but it really is a lesson in how inner beauty just creates this energy and this glow that just like shoots out of your your head your head that sounds weird but it just it's just emanating from her like a like a halo like she walks around like in a halo of light and you'll find out why it's because she ate a light bulb no it's because um she has a lot of practices wellness practices that really feed her spiritually and keep her very clean and detoxing not so much i'm not talking on like a physical level i mean like a spiritual level so that's really exciting but we're also going to talk about once again like um you know hollywood being an actress what it takes how to persevere how to deal with insecurity how to f- deal with feeling like i'm not good enough how to not give up in the face of rejection and then she's also going to talk about some other stuff which she's never talked about before um it's very raw and uh i felt very blessed, hashtag blessed to be the recipient of, you know, the other side of this conversation because it's pretty raw and it's, well, the first time Monet's ever, ever come out publicly with it. And um, you can listen up and hear what that's about, but it has a lot to do with healing. It has a lot to do with illness. Um, We talk about motherhood. We talk about birthing. And um, I think we talk about some other just like really cool, fun stuff. So without further ado, I bring you Monet Mazur. So I'm here with Monet. Hi, Monet. Hi. Welcome back to Los Angeles. Thank you. So you just moved back from, you've basically been an expat for how long? Six years. Wow. How does it feel to be back in Los Angeles? Now it Which is where you're from. I'm from LA. It feels good now. It was, I had a love-hate thing with LA for the last five years. And I had to leave. And I went and lived like a crazy gypsy life. Because? Because that's what I needed to do. Because of what I do. Because of what my family was doing. And lived in Spain and London and Puerto Rico. And uh, now here I am back in LA. So I've come full circle. Right. And you have two small kids. So what was that like? How did you feel about having kids that were sort of not in this? Obviously, it's incredible because they're getting these new experiences and it's international. At the same time, there's is there a lack of groundedness? Like, how did you create a home? Did you how did you find the sense of groundedness when you were moving around so much? Well, it's funny because a friend of mine the other day said to me, I remember when we were 20 something years old in our early 20s, you said I 
I want to have two kids and I want to travel all over the world and I want to live in different countries. And um, she was like, that's what you did. And I don't remember saying that, but I remember the feeling of just always wanting to explore more and see more. So when I had Marlon, my first son, I didn't really think about, oh, we're moving or I'm moving him or disrupting his routine. It was just sort of, he did what I did. So if I wanted to go live in New York for a year or, or work in Spain for a year, we did that. And it was fine because he was little. But when it got hard was when I had Luciano, my second son. Marlon was six and had friends at school. And uh, I think some of the things about what I chose to do with him was interesting because I randomly, well, not randomly, but I put him in a French immersion school in LA when we lived here. So he went from a normal uh, mm. preschool to a French kindergarten and first grade. Um, so he was already all fucked up. Right. He's <laughs> already going to be. as fuck. Um, because I always wanted my kids to speak multiple languages. Do they, and by the way, now Play still? instruments. Well, Marlon can speak French and Spanish a bit my still. Lord. And Lucy's first language was Spanish. Um, wow. Not English. He wouldn't speak English first. He only spoke Spanish because he was grew up in Spain from one to two. Wow. So um, he went to a Spanish school. Marlon went to a French school. And, you know, it got hard later, but I think that's what's made them such amazing sort of well-rounded kids that can speak to adults and have conversations with people about all kinds of things. And I also think just from knowing you and I've been to your homes here and in New York, you have a, you create home. Like you really have a sense of home. I, I like you like making, ground. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's probably the most important thing. You could be anywhere in a sense. Yeah. I think I learned how to do that at a young age because it was sort of, I moved out when I was 18 to Paris by myself. My God. So I've, I guess I've always done it in a That's way. That's really young. Yeah, I graduated high school. Were you modeling school. at the time? I was modeling. I had a thousand dollars I'd saved and I got on a plane and moved to Paris and didn't know a single soul there. How long were you in Paris? Like four crazy months. Wow. But crazy months. That sounds like one of those model stories. It, oh, it was. It was like a model story. Yeah, we won't talk about it. Wow. We won't talk about it. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So Monet and I go back and I think we first met when you came to take an exercise class of mine. Yoga booty ballet. A yoga booty ballet class. Yeah. And then, um, and that was a long time ago, but I remembered seeing you around because I've been in LA for 20 years. And I remember you came into the store that I worked at called X Fucked. And you were, you, you, probably, you might not even know this. You were probably 17 and you were with a guy from Cypress Hill. Am I right? Oh Did I never tell you that? Yeah. You came in. What? Do you, was, am I right? X Fucked. Were you? On yeah. Beverly Boulevard next yeah. to Estillo Salon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were you with that guy? Uh, House of Pain. House of Pain, same shit. <laughs> what, 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 did I, what did I say? Cypress Hill. Is it the same Let's thing? Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. But I remember you came in, I'm like, oh, that's mm -hmm. that girl, Monet. Because we all kind of like knew mm -hmm. everyone. Like, mm -hmm. who it was a who's who. Mm -hmm. Like, we all grew up together. Yeah. Um, but was that was you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember just seeing you around town. Mm -hmm. And in kind of those same circles of yeah, like the triple five triple soul. Triple five soul and yeah, Jay-Z. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then we just sort of became friends over the years. Mm -hmm. So wild. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Baby. Baby we days. Baby days. And I have pictures from those days that I've showed you. <laughs> um, so I do think there's a couple of interesting things because we do talk a lot about like spirituality and wellness and how we take care of ourselves. And I'll never forget a couple of things. Um, when I was pregnant 
you told me about, you were the first person I think that told me about Kundalini yoga. Yeah. And I think I'd already been a certified Hatha yoga teacher and I was teaching yoga around town, but I wasn't into Kundalini and you were telling me about Guru. Mook. Right. Gurmook yeah. at um, Golden Bridge, which yeah. is no longer there. Yeah. Is so. she still in town, I wonder? And she travels a but lot. But you were really into I'm it. super hardcore like you were, it. And did you do that thing when you had a baby and you were inside for 30 days maybe? Yes, I did. Yeah, you told me about that too. Yeah. What's that? Well, in Kundalini Yoga, you're meant to, um, I did get really like, deeply into it with my first son. Um, and so I decided to have him at home with a doula and prepared for that for nine months. And it was like basically going into training for, you know, unsupervised medical birth. So oh they train you to sort of have a baby and be prepared for anything that can go wrong. So you're not allowed to eat sugar. That means fruit too. Mm. The entire, you know, so when everybody entire go to Dunkin' Donuts and, and eat, you know, pizza while you're pregnant, mm. I was allowed to have like an apple a day. Why is that? What about sugar? No sugar because you can become diabetic, you know, when you're pregnant. And so that would affect a birth, especially at home. It would absolutely mm-hmm. affect a birth at home. And I was really adamant about wanting to have him at home. I was 27. I remember this. Yeah. So I could, and everyone, you know, thought I was crazy. And why would you do that? And I had an entirely white bedroom. So that was sort of like, right. Why, why would you do that? Um, and so I walked five miles a day and went to yoga every day and um, didn't eat sugar. And uh, part of that was also staying in the house for 40 days after the baby's born to when the baby's born, they actually still think that they're inside of you. It's attached the, they call to it the you. fourth trimester. Yeah. And it doesn't realize that it's not connected to you. So the baby's meant to sleep with you and feed on you whenever it needs to. And it's attachment, major hardcore attachment parenting, which at the time, you know, that became my whole life and I was completely immersed into it. So I read every book about it and it seemed like the most natural, normal thing to me. Um, And you don't leave the house because you, you create this, you know, um, like a womb, a womb between you and the baby. The baby's not supposed to sleep further than three feet away from your bed. So if it's not in your bed, it should be three feet away from you at all times. And it was amazing. And I did it. Um, but I also, you know, had postpartum depression after oh, that did. too. So I sort of did every, did all of it. But did it, it. wasn't there something when the baby had to get turned around? Was that with Marlon or Lucien? Yeah. Marlon was um, breached. So after all the preparation of having him natural at home, I found out at eight months that he was breached. And if he didn't turn, I couldn't have him at home. So that spun me out <clears throat> because, um, you know, Gurmuk said, no matter what you plan for, no matter what you want, the opposite will happen. And that's surrendering to being a parent. I and mean, that's your first lesson. Oh my God, that happens every so like, single day yeah, of my life so no, as a parent. No attachment, right? We're not supposed to be attached to outcomes and right. have expectations. So I wanted to have him so much at home um, that he was breech and wouldn't turn around. And so I did this horrible thing called a version mm-hmm. where they physically tried to turn the baby inside of you. What happened? His heart rate um, sped up and they have to stop because it can cause an emergency cesarean. So they they stopped. He wouldn't turn. His heart rate 
like completely dropped and um it's painful and horrible if anyone's you're ever, awake during it uh-huh yeah it's like a procedure in office uh no you have to go to the hospital because it can turn into an emergency uh, c-section um they stick their entire hand up inside of you and literally physically try and turn the baby around birth it's is so traumatic painful it's traumatic and i wouldn't recommend doing it to anybody unless it's you know, medically um, necessary. So he didn't turn around and I had to um, surrender to having a cesarean. And when he was born and we took him out, his entire foot was black and blue around his heel. And we realized that his foot had been stuck in my cervix for so long. He couldn't physically be turned around. Oh He's God. stuck like that. And I did feel like I had a foot coming out of me <laughs> for like the last six weeks, oh. um, which I apparently did. Did he get his foot back? His foot I mean, came out. And he's got a his foot's, foot's fine. okay. Play My soccer. Vagina's fine. Vagina's fine. Wow. But wait, you ended up having a C section. I did. And then did you have to have another C section? <laughs> no, I refused to have another C section. Oh, C-section. so you did a, so a, a V back, which you're not That's supposed to really do intense. Were you scared to do that? Uh, no, they don't. Rec- I mean, they, they don't recommend. It's another sort of training. They don't right? recommend it, and they don't advocate it, and they don't encourage you to do. Can it. Can you tell us why? For those of us who don't know, do you know why? It just because scar tissue. Scar tissue. Um, because the body hasn't. The body's been through birth, but doesn't remember going through birth because it's not a natural childbirth. Right. Um. So you can have. You can rupture. Um. And honestly, they just don't want to deal with. They don't want to deal with it because of insurance reasons. So I said I was going to do it. And my doctor, who's the same doctor. Was Wait, was it Dr. Chin? Or, yeah. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. All my babies. Yeah. Oh, so you went to Dr. Chin for the second one yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he supported it, even though he thought I was crazy. And they tried to schedule. Uh, He'll do anything. Uh, they, tr- they No, I didn't want to schedule it because I was going to have it natural. Right, right, and right. it came two weeks early. And I went to the hospital and they... Um, they told me that I was not dilated at all, even though my, whatchamacallit, popped. Right. Um, and I was in labor, but there was no water. So oh they had God. they had to they had to do a cesarean if I wasn't in labor and whatever. Not cesarean, Pitocin. Right, right, right. Um, so I checked myself out of the hospital, which caused a huge, huge... It's so political. Huge thing. Do you know what you're doing? It's so political, you know birth like this whole thing yeah, right but i really wanted to experience the beauty of natural childbirth so i went home actually went to real food daily on the way home and i What'd ordered a blt Yum. and threw the whole thing up and got home not on purpose i get it and uh at that time tej from golden bridge yep. was my kind of Right, doula person um, came over and she was like, you gotta get walking up and down those stairs and get that baby out or it's not gonna happen the way you want. And I was like, okay. So I started walking up and down the stairs in the garden of my house. And after about 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna go take a shower. I don't feel good. Got in the shower, went into full on labor. Holy shit. And I was still trying to like make her food and serve her drinks because I was so nervous that she was there. And she was like, you're so funny. You just go have a baby. Oh my God. So we went back to the hospital and then I went through like 13 hours of childbirth with no drugs, which was hardcore. It's like who needs ayahuasca? Just have a baby with no drugs. 
Was, right? Yeah, and I would never do that again either. Right, I can't imagine. I had two mm-hmm. C-sections and yeah. I can't even imagine. And I feel lo- a longing and a loss that I didn't yeah. get that experience. Yeah. I feel gypped. Well, it's like primal woman. I wanted that so badly. Yeah, so I had both and I wouldn't do both again mm-hmm. the same way, but right. I'm also older and right. had more. But by the way, the C-section is amazing. Yeah. I will say, I mean, I had two for medical reasons too. And yeah. I'll just say like, there was no stress no no cortisol i was yeah. calm I, yeah. I think i had mascara on yeah you could go get I, your like, hair I, done i, I saw a picture of did. me i looked pr- i looked pretty good going into that hospital yeah. i had my, i was like i'm I'm gonna get some good photos yeah yeah my photos were not good oh i look gosh. like shit you that's impossible it's not. um wow wow okay so you're back in la the kids are here okay enough about the kids yeah. no it's an amazing story because i do think like i'm fascinated by birth stories mm. and everyone is unique and mm-hmm. they're all interesting and there's always something to learn mm-hmm. and sometimes i have a fantasy that i would be like um like a birth doula you'd be good at it but i'm not into babies but i'm into like birth but and, you're into life coaching i'm into like life coach i'm yeah. into like i'll coach the baby out and then like i'll like go 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 get a blt <laughs> Um, but, um, I do think it's like the most, I was actually having a com- a talk with a, a friend of mine the other day who's an artist and she's like, I don't know. It's like art. It's so like, like who cares about art? You know, like it's so narcissistic, like really like the world, what's, what's, there's just life and death. Like I either should be like a birth doula or like deal with people on their deathbeds. And mm. I was like, that's fascinating. Mm. It's like, what is there? It's kind of, yeah, you know, but I don't need another career cause I'm just grappling nine, with my 15. Mm, yeah. My 19 careers, already. but it is on my list. Um, so I think what's amazing uh, to, to share is that you're definitely someone <clears throat> like a lot of my friends who I'm going to be meeting with on my, on the podcast who has had a long career mm-hmm. and it's been, it's, you know, it's this beautiful wave of a career, mm-hmm. um, and incredibly organic trajectory. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I mean, I remember before you went to London, you were doing interior design yeah and like you had this office i there was like a, a picture like there was an <laughs> office with like all the books you were incredible you were working on some massive project like yeah. a house that took yeah. like a year or so yeah, yeah. i mean you I did that while i was pregnant right and yeah. you have incredible impeccable taste so Ooh. that only that totally made sense um mm. and then you kind of were like phasing out of acting or were you still acting at the time or just like no i was pregnant um and taking like a year off and just not good with sitting around doing nothing so i had to find something to do and i just had a a girlfriend who just bought a beautiful house that didn't have time to decorate it and we just collaborated on that and it happened to turn out really well and got some press right and um it's something i think i've love doing for myself i love helping my friends i love doing other people's houses i don't think it's something i could do as a full-time job because it is really stressful it's stressful i have i have a friend who's an interior designer and i was like it just looks so glamorous like your office is so cool and she was like emily let me tell you it ain't this glamorous because when you're buying when you're spending eighty thousand dollars on curtains for people and then they send them back yeah she's like it's you're just you're at the end of the day you're what do you call it like a uh i forget what the word is you know, you're just, you, you don't, yeah, you don't get to do, taste. yeah, you, and even then half the time you don't even get to do your taste. Like you don't get to do their, your house always. It's amazing if you could hand cherry pick your But you don't clients, get to, yeah. But when they're coming and paying you, you yeah. know. So, but that was good because that sort of um, kept me entertained while I was pregnant and I did it till I was like eight and a half months pregnant um, and then had the baby and decided I didn't want to act anymore and I took a year off and moved to Spain 
And still while I was there, I started uh, working on a clothing line and a furniture, like a lifestyle right, brand right, right. that I wanted to do. Is this um, Le Dreamers? It's sort of where Le Dreamers was born, but it was a different uh, gestation of it. Right, it was, right, right. It was first, it was going to be a lifestyle brand. Um, and it was very sort of Mediterranean mm. kind of clothes and furniture and things I loved. Um, but again, I'm not, you know, a practical person. So when it comes to like manufacturing and shipping and shit like that, I just glaze over. I understand. There's a certain kind of head for that kind of it's yeah. the level of then just to become a business to, 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 to become like a corporation. Yeah, I'm just not. It's I'm not. A, I'm a yeah. creative and an artist, but not a business person. Right, right. Totally. Level. So that phased out, but which segued into the Dreamers, and then I moved to London, and that's where that started. Right. And Lay Dreamers is a website and it's a style brand and it's it's a where a place where you it's a website where you profile artists that fascinate you, mm-hmm. um, creative it's a sort of like a curated culture a curated cultural and artistic hub yes. of things that you're interested in. And your yes. eye and the reason why I think other people are attracted to it and are interested because your eye is really it's really fine tuned. Thank you. I mean it really is. It's really it's cultured, it's got um sen- a, just a really unique sensibility and it's it's i mean like i would like to see the world through your eyes and i'd like to have all your stuff well i've been lucky that i've gotten to travel to all these places and see all these different things and because of that i think i've garnered a certain taste that's not necessarily like la aesthetic and it's interesting because at the end of the day, you're a Malibu chick. I'm from you're Malibu. a friggin' Malibu girl. Yeah. Like it could have gone anywhere, but it you have really a very like worldly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have a totally worldly sensibility. Thank you. It's really cool. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's get back to. So now, ironically, here we are, mm-hmm. and the, well, there's a couple of other things I want to talk about along the way mm-hmm. that you kind of. Int- First of all, Dr. Chin, um, Susan Batson, same acting coach, which mm-hmm. is crazy that we both have this like very like specific person from New York crazy, crazy, and then crazy. we had a hit with Kabbalah yeah and there was a time when you were at the Friday Night Seders and there was all white and you were there all day yeah and you were like Em I gotta tell you about the light the light <laughs> and you got me and Ruthana and we came and Alex was there you came to my house didn't we you we came to your house yeah. once on Detroit and then we went to a session mm-hmm. um and yeah I got deep and you were really deep and I was fascinated by it and Ruthana went out and bought the books and I never mm-hmm. did and it mm-hmm. didn't click for me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Something about it didn't, you know when something clicks and doesn't click and mm-hmm. I was like fascinated but I was like how, Monet, explain how this clicked for you. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. what do you, I don't get it. Like mm-hmm. you're scanning, like we're, we scan Hebrew. I mean, by the way, I'm Jewish. And yeah. I can't even, I, I didn't even celebrate Passover think last night or tonight. it doesn't click a lot for people that were raised um, oh, as Jew- Jewish, as, as Jewish, or Jewish, you know, though. deeply into sort of Judaism, or or especially you know Orthodox people are right. not into it at all, because um, it's you know controversial or whatever. Um, what was it about it that time, spoke to you? It, for me, I had sort of always been a seeker and always you know looked for things to make the world and life make sense to me. Um, so whether it was kundalini or meditation or transcendental meditation do you do that too Mm -hmm. do you do it now i do it every day oh oh my god we're gonna have to get to that you're my second interviewee Mm. is that how long sorry side note how long have you been doing tm um since i uh, probably 
ironically, just before I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my God, that's another story. Oh my God, okay. So that's two, part two to that's the podcast. Part two. So how did, okay. So just give me a quick hit about how, I don't want to even do a quick hit, but how did you, what attracted you about Kabbalah okay. specifically? Um, I was, was doing like a movie. The main I was away uh, on location doing a film and I was in a relationship and it was just another relationship that I was consumed with that wasn't going right. And I couldn't understand why I kept ending up in these places where I was like having all these amazing opportunities doing what it was that I did and loved. And yet I was completely consumed all the time by you know, a relationship that didn't clearly didn't work with someone I wasn't compatible with. And why are you, you know, wringing it to death mm, to make mm -hmm. it happen? Um, so what is it that I'm looking for? What is it that I'm trying to find? What is it that I'm, you know, trying to get out of someone that I can't find within myself? And um, growing up in LA, I'd driven up Robertson 8 million times and always seen that sign that says, um, what does it say? I don't know. Look to the light. The, the, can, yeah, something. something about the light right. in front of on Robertson. Yeah, totally. And I've seen it forever, never paid attention to it. Um, and ironically, that person that I was in a relationship with, that I was fighting with the entire time, called me and said, oh, I just had dinner with a friend um, who's telling me about this really interesting course he's taking, and it sounds like something that you would love. Um, it's called Kabbalah. Um, and he invited us to go with him when you're back. And I was like, oh, that's so ironic because mm -hmm. I was just thinking about that. I don't know why. So sure, let's go. So I looked it up online. It was the place on Robertson. And we went to a seminar the or whatever. Intro, intro, the intro. intro. And I don't know, you know, it was just the time, the place where I was in my life, the guy giving the lecture. Um, it all clicked for me. And I went, you know, deeply in um and within months really my life um quality of my life evolved and became better and uh broke up with that person very fast that relationship disintegrated because of because of that i think um and yeah i mean i became a full-on you know, they, they practitioner. don't practitioner because it's not religion. Right. But I did Shabbat every Friday and Torah every Saturday. And wow. I mean, to me, that seems so like I can't even get my head around. Yeah. It. I mean, I'm Jewish, too, but I wasn't raised Jewish. I, I wasn't raised Jewish. Either. I mean, I'm Jewish by, yeah. you know, culturally Jewish. Yeah. But believe me, I wasn't bought mitzvah. But yeah, I can't even bring myself to do those. And I'm Jewish. I loved it, though. I loved it. It was something that I was like, well, Shabbat's a beautiful for. thing. Yeah. It was something that I was accountable for every week to do. And somehow it, it helped me get out of myself to take responsibility for whatever I was doing in my life that didn't work. And how could I be of service to other people? Did you raise your children? How are, you, are your children being raised with any religion or a sense of anything? I mean, spirit, spirituality. spirituality. I, um, my first son was in it for the first five years of his life. Oh, he so was. he's very, you know, familiar with it. Um, and my second one uh, did a bit in London, not as much, but um, he doesn't need it. He is born spiritual. Wow. He's very Do you feel, intense. and then was it like, 
when you sort of came to, you know, I think I'm done with this. Like yeah. it's not resonating. It's yeah. not. Yeah. Is it, was it challenging to kind of disengage or to kind of like step out gently or just like, I'm done. I'm not going to go this yeah, week. Yeah, no, it was challenging because you, you have get, your friendships it, and your you relationships. Sort of, um, how do you extricate yourself out of this like community? You've become so, you know. Do you have to like actually go, you know what? We're not going to like have to talk uh, or anything? Or? No, the first time I just sort of disappeared and then I ended up coming back to it again. Um, it helped me a lot through you know, certain parts of my marriage um, and my relationship with my kids. And then in 2015, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and then I really clinged to it a lot. And I think I just discovered a lot of things about myself and what you, um, what you hang on to as a person to survive, I just didn't need it anymore. Mm. You should do the Hoffman process. Do you know about that? Mm-mm. Oh, I'll tell you about that okay. later. You would love it because okay. you are such a fucking avid seeker. Mm. You're like a deep seeker and like you're a committed seeker. Mm. Like you're not like, like I'll try and meditate and like I'll no, do I'm a Vipassana. A I'm like, I'll do a Vipassana <laughs> and then like I'll meditate 10 hours a day and then like I won't do it for another yeah. 10 years. No. Like you're committed. You mm. have the discipline and the follow through. Um, and I think it's amazing that you've had all you, you it, what I also think is incredible and inspiring. And I'm going to take it away from myself is that you roll with it. Like you're at different places, a different time in your life, like things work with you. And then you're like, you know what? It's not serving me. I'm going to go to the, now I'm trying this. Mm. You do this for a few years and be like, you know what? That might not serve me. You know, who knows? Well, I mean, you stay open. things just become fanatical when you're doing them and they're not serving you anymore. Well, then you're not, you've lost sense so. of why you did it in the first place, which is to, uh, integrate, feel whole, and ultimately, I think to to be more loving. For me, that's what it is. It's like how do I connect to whatever that is so I can get out of all this shit, mm-hmm. the lower self. Yeah, and frankly, it's to be more loving to my kids. That's yeah. all I care yeah. about. But um, wow. So the TM. Yeah. So did you have another teacher there? Another kind of like, how did you get hooked? In, like, how, there's usually a friend who's like, oh man, you got to like. No. It's usually one person. Or told you me. Drove to it you yourself. know what? Uh, weirdly, it was like through yoga, mm-hmm. and this is so random. But Russell Brand, mm-hmm. who was oh, like he's big, a devout yes. TM, uh, you know, person. Um, had mentioned it to me in yoga a few times because he was so... He talks about it a lot. It helped him so much. Um, and when I was in London and felt really disconnected from any any form of anything because mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone there and it's not my infrastructure and I didn't sort of know how to do what I did there. Um, I just Googled TM in the area where I lived and there happened to be... Uh, you know, a TM class down the street like the next week and I literally just signed up and went. And, and you, it's like one... No, cl- you go a couple of times. You go like the first time for two hours and then you go again for four hours and then you go meet with someone um, one-on-one and, and then give you, you know how to do it and then you're given a word, a secret uh, word. It's a secret... Well, my friend... Craig said it's a it's sound. Not. Wait, was it Craig? It's an, it's someone a told sound. me. I forget who mm. I was interviewing. It's a sound. It's a sound. And you know what? It's we probably all have the same word sound. Yeah, I'm like, what? Uh, it's something that's supposed to resonate with you in the year you're born. I'm blah blah right, blah, right. blah. But it doesn't matter because the it's not some magic word. Oh, it's Catherine. Yeah, she was saying it's a sound that just, Drops it just you. It into, focuses you. It's like the dristy point. Yeah, it just yeah. it doesn't have to have meaning. No, right. It doesn't have meaning. Right. Um, 
I've asked somebody what right, the right, word right. was, and we told each other, and it was the Shared same word. Shared words. That's so cute. That's fine. It's a sound. <laughs> it's a sound. So what do you do two twice a day? I don't do twice a day because for my lifestyle, it's not realistic, and I'm such an OCD mm-hmm. person that I would set myself up to fail and then right. like beat myself. If you're like I have, so if you say I do once a day, yeah, I do once 20. a day. I get up in the morning like an hour before my kids do. So I wake up at 6 a.m. usually mm-hmm. and I do 20 minutes. Do you sit? I sit. And do you have a special place? I don't. Or do you because just like do it in your bed? PM, like sit up straight? You are meant to not attach yourself to any sort of form of um, anything that makes you comfortable because then you can always find a reason to not do it. You right. don't have like your I don't have my altar. music or your right. crystal or your incense. And it's like, just sit down. I generally face where the sun is rising because mm-hmm. that helps me focus. Um, and that's it. Nothing. Wow. I don't do it with anything. Do you set an alarm? I set a 22-minute alarm. Wow. Because you have to get in and out. Because if you open your eyes really quick, you can get a headache. Well, you know that your brain, I mean, I'm sure you know the effects, you know, the the actual brain, the changes shape for meditation and the prefrontal and the yeah. hippocampus. I mean, and, I yeah. believe I healed a lot of myself from cancer wow. with that. And... uh and have gotten to where I am right now from that, honestly. Wow. Yeah. It's just projecting what you want into the universe. Wow. Know? Oh, my God. You say it enough times and do it enough right. times, you're going to get it. So speaking of where you are now, um, I'm going to do a little Insta story. Speaking of where you are, and I won't post it right now. Editor, you can delete that. Um, speaking of where you are now, mm-hmm. hold on. Back to uh, Monet. So speaking of where you are now, um, so... Where are you now? Let's get back to where you are now. Ironically, you told me a little story about getting a television show. I, All right. You know how you have the hashtag like um, does meditation once, <laughs> does meditation once and like becomes a yogi, <laughs> moves to LA, books a television series. Really? Let's talk about that. I did. I, I got this amazing show I'm working on that is untitled um, as of now. Uh, it was my favorite show I read. It was the show I got. And well, let's talk about what's, what's really interesting is that you came back and you made a decision to kind of reconnect to acting mm. where you are now yeah. as a mom, yeah. um, making your own choices about where you want to be. Mm. And um, just sort of a little bit about the process because you, you told me about, you know, just about the nerves and how, you know, auditioning and what you put into <sighs> it and how you... You know, I'm a terrible, terrible auditioner um, and and tester, which is, you know, for those of you who don't know, when you get a show, you have to test in front of the network and studio. And it's horrible. Some people are fantastic at it, which I really admire. And I would love, love for someone to mm-hmm. teach me that. But um, I have horrible stage fright, which is why I've never done theater um, or stand up. How does stage fright like a uh, manifest just like nerves sweaty palms like fight or flight oh yeah sweating heart pounding mouth dry mm-hmm. you know mind racing mm-hmm. and i suck and i'm the worst and i'm gonna fail and everybody hates me and everybody's judging me and why am i here um that is the honest truth and i loathe it so but what's interesting is that you never let that stop you like i had that too and i'm like i, I can't be in this business because yeah. of it well like, at that I can't, time I can't. when i had newly become a mother again it did stop me because it was taking over my life in a way i didn't that didn't serve me so i stopped 
Um, and then when I came back to it, I was in a place where I so knew who I was and what I wanted that I didn't give a fuck what mm. anyone thought or what I got because I truly believed at this point in my life, you get what you get because you're supposed to get it. But and my but my question is yeah. about I've been there too, and yeah. just as an uh, you know where I'm like you know I don't really need the job, but I still went in there, and the stage fright still happens. Like like I could think oh, that I didn't in say my it. mind. I didn't need the job. I absolutely needed the job and want the job, but I don't care anymore in the same way about. Um, oh, well, I'm not good. Well, you should have seen me at six o'clock this morning when I looked the way I looked driving my kids to school and I'm screaming at them. Right, and, right, right. you know, they're having like an ego in the car because no one would get up on time. You're, you're saying like you're, you didn't put yourself, your entire sense of self-worth was not dependent on it? You mean? My entire sense of self-worth was not dependent on whether I got a part in a TV show or not anymore. That didn't make me who I was. It doesn't mean I didn't need it. Or want it. Professionally, financially financially emotionally mm. um i need it on many levels but i didn't need it for self-validation anymore right um but still you know we're human beings and that that fear of not being good enough kicks in and it's uh, a fucker i mean the business that part i mean it just will eat you alive but yeah. it did not it, you're here and you booked a show and you went out and yeah. nailed auditions and yeah it's well, just incredible. Yeah. What would you doing? What would you be doing? Um, like, like, was there a plan B with acting? No, <laughs> I wish there was. Well, that's really interesting. It's funny because the people I talk to no. that have really have the kind of success that you have, there's yeah. no plan B. There's no plan B. I didn't have a plan B. My plan B was my plan A before I became an actress was to be a musician. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Monet is also an incredible musician. You're a singer and a songwriter. Do you play so, music too? Uh, I mean, the guitar oh a bit, God. but sing and write. And um, that was my plan A. And my plan B was acting. Um, and when I started acting more than I was playing, I had to make a decision to choose one or the other because I had a band and, you know. I remember that. You were performing around town. Yeah, we played on the Viper Room and the Roxy. Yeah. So I went with Plan B. <laughs> well, Plan B was, ha I mean, you just go where the energy is. Yeah. Like Plan B was happening. Plan B was happening. That's where the energy was. Um, I still look back all the time and think, oh, fuck, that's. I could have been a rock star. I should have been a rock star. Well, you still are but a rock I still star. am in my mind. You are so, you, and in you my are house. very rock and roll. <laughs> Do you like sing with are your kids musical? My yes, my son Marlon is extremely musical. Is he a rapper? He's not a rapper. I would say he's more of a producer than a performer because he does crazy stuff. He can play the guitar, the drums, the piano. He can sing. Does he take lessons? He takes guitar lessons. He taught himself how to play the piano. Um, Good and God. he's extremely musical and very charismatic and I have big aspirations for him to not be a musician. I was going to say big aspirations to write. Yeah. I think he could do something like Pharrell does wow. or, um, but he's very into fashion all of a sudden and oh that's God. scaring me a bit. Do you, would you ever be, what if he was like, mom, I want to be an actor. Would you I be, would, would you persuade him to do other things? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't ever take his dream if that's what he truly wanted, but I know it's not what he truly wants. Right, right, right. If he wanted to be an actor, it would be for every superficial reason. Right. It's not real what, you know, 
Do you ever find as a mom, and I know this is like one of the hardest, this is a thing that came up in my life the other day where um, AJ wanted to quit uh, karate and his dad was like, you know, he was there, he's fucking off. He was like talking back to the teacher and do I pull him out? No. Okay. No. If he hates it. He's like, I don't like it. I hate it. I hate the teacher. It. And yeah. it, and I said, you know what, Jay? I've been struggling. I Because, you know, we I have a child from a yeah. different marriage. I go, this is the hardest thing. Like, when do you yeah. let them say, fuck this. I don't want to do yeah. it. Or when do you push? Well, I hated everything. I hated piano lessons exactly. when I was a kid. And I did hated you stick ballet. with it? No. No one made me. So like, now I don't play the piano and I don't speak. And you're pissed perfect, off about and it. And I'm mad because if Aria someone that. said, just do it no matter what. And I told Marlon when he used to, you know, get mad that he had a guitar lesson on a Saturday afternoon and I'd make him practice 15 minutes a day, every day. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But then he hears a song on the radio and he can sit down and play, you know, Jeff Buckley and sing it. And now he's like, my God, I can't believe I used to get mad at you about forcing me to play guitar because now he's the guy that sits down and plays the guitar at a party and, and he doesn't have to think about it. Wow. Um, I I'm wish you, someone did I'm that with you. for me. I know I say that too. And and it's just very hard because sometimes you'll find a child who's like, no. And, you know, well, put I their hands under their lap during piano. And it's like, I'm not going to keep paying. No. If someone really doesn't like something, that's one thing. If somebody doesn't want to do something because they're lazy, you can tell the difference. You know, I think you have to fine tune and tell the difference. Yeah. And I think you have to tune into to the type of kid it is too. Yeah. Wow. I know, kids. Do you want to talk briefly about when you got diagnosed or is that? Sure. I mean, I think it's interesting. I haven't talked about it at all. So this will be the first okay. time. I mean, I haven't talked what about was, it publicly. What, what the heck? Like, um, I, um, I went in. I, I, I was, I found it myself. I was in the shower doing that stupid thing you're supposed to do and check. Because in London, they don't check you till you're 50. They don't oh give you a mammogram till you're 50. That's ridiculous. So I felt a lump in my breast and thought it was weird um, and made an appointment to go to the doctor. And in London, they like to tell you everything's nothing um, and go see another doctor. So I was like, well, whatever, I'm going on vacation. So I went on vacation for the summer and sort of didn't think about it and came back and it was still there. So I had to go get a biopsy. And I walked into the horrible hospital where everybody was bald with scarves on their heads. And you're sort of sitting there going, oh my God, I can't believe this happens to people. This happens to other people, but it doesn't happen to right. like me or you. Mm -hmm. And I went in and they stuck a needle in my boob. And they said, um, you know, we'll call you back in 40 minutes with the results. That quickly. And so I sat in the waiting room and I was like annoyed because I was going to be late for my Pilates class. Of course. Checking Instagram. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes later, they called my name fast. And I went in. And the doctor was super um, cold and brash and just said, so we've had, you know, three... Of our doctors, check it um, over and over and you definitely test positive for breast cancer. It was just like that. And like the floor drops out from underneath you and they hand you this big stupid book that says how to live life with breast cancer <laughs> and they send you in another room with a nurse. Um, this is how they do it in London. Um, and, you know, my whole life stopped. I have two kids. I was married. I had to like tell my husband I have cancer can you come pick me up I don't think I can get home on my own um, 
And so that deeply affected his life and my life and my kid's life. And um, it was like six months of, <clears throat> you know, I would say agony because it was horribly stressful and scary, but I wasn't, you know, crawling on my hands and knees starving. So mm -hmm. agony in comparison to other things going on. It's scary when you think you're going to die. They couldn't diagnose it. I had to have maybe... 10 to 11 biopsies because it to was, figure out what kind what it was uh, what kind or, it was how much i had if i had to have a double right. mastectomy which is what they told me i would have to have at 39 years old oh my god um and that if it hadn't spread that i'd be lucky with a double mastectomy so then <clears throat> i went for a second opinion and found out that i had one stage one in one breast and then i could have a lumpectomy and um, got it out and had to have radiation every day after that, which was probably the worst part. And uh, I don't have it. It's two, three years later, I got checked for the the, the marker BRAC right. gene. If I had, you know, hereditary, you no, because I am Ashkenazi Jewish um, descent, which is the people that you know are prone to it. But um, no, I'm negative. Do you? Um, and we can kind of round out with this. Mm -hmm. um, do you, uh, you know, there's 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 diet, there's food, there's there's wellness, there's you know, soy. Do you not eat soy? Do you not eat dairy? There's tofu. I mean, are there things that you do? You live a different. Have your did your diet and lifestyle change from that? No. Wow. Okay. I've always been a healthy advocate of working out and eating well, and I've also always done what I want. You know, if that's drinking wine, or, I don't. Well, wine is fine. I just mean like I know that there's like certain know. estrogen, estrogen yeah. you know, foods. I, I can't have anything that is hormonal that's has, I mean. has hormones in it. Um, I think I probably did everything for you know a while because I was completely living in fear, and then I realized if somebody at 38 that's completely healthy, that works out every day, that doesn't do drugs, that you know sleeps seven hours a night can get cancer and it's not running in your family then it doesn't matter if you're having a soy cappuccino or anything a full happen. fat milk cappuccino or you a secondhand smoker or you know a, a full-on smoker mm -hmm. you know i i believe i got cancer from stress Oh my God, that's fascinating. Yeah. Is there anyone in LA, um, are there any people that you can share with us that are your your favorite go-tos? Maybe it's for yoga or for, are there any classes that you like or things that, because this is, you know, groomed LA. Mm -hmm. um, any of your top favorite people or practitioners or healers that we need to know about or like secret people in your pocket? Um, I definitely still go to Tesh, who's my yoga where, teacher. Where is at, she? Um, it's called... Is it Wanderlust? No. No. She opened her own studio and it's called... Well, we'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So, uh, we'll find it. It's just I can't Tej. remember. Yeah. Tej. 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 Yeah. Everyone knows Tej. Um, Tej. Who else? Do you still do Pilates or any kind of classes? I do Pilates. I did Pilates yesterday. I can't walk. Where do you go? I go to Platinum Pilates. Oh, is that like the Reformer? Yes. Right, like Hardcore. Sebastian's? Yes, yeah. that's Sebastian's. Which one? Which on... On Highland. Oh, on Highland. On oh, Highland. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 
do Barry's boot camp. You do Barry's. So you do, mix it up. I That's do, amazing. Yeah, I do four things I mix up every week. And wow. that's what I do. And you don't go to like the den meditation. Meditations at home. I meditate at home every day. What about day. any favorite places now? Because you have been away for a while. Mm-hmm. Like have I know, you found your LA colorist LA. again? And like you're like, yeah. you're, you're just floating. Where, who, are you, who are you going yeah. to? Um, I have a guy who's actually one of my Pilates trainers. That oh, wow. does my color. Who's that? Mike, Mikhail Padilla. Yeah, because your hair is gorgeous. He does Heather's color too. Oh, really? And Isabel's. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's good for blondes, but he does yeah, Ariel. It's incredible. Wow. Um, who else? What else? Well, those mean, are great. A million things, but I can't. Any favorite, like, well, it sounds like you're you're kind of rediscovering in LA, so we'll have to I'm check back I'm rediscovering LA, and I'm becoming an East Side girl. Wow. Way more from Interesting. the West Side. I don't really hang out on the West Side anymore. Wow. But wow. Uh, I run my errands there, but I tend to gravitate. Oh, well, you'll have to share with us any favorite places later. Monet, this was amazing. It was a lot. It was so fun. It was so juicy and like <laughs> reconnecting. And I'm so excited about your TV show. We'll Thank hopefully keep, it'll be on the CW. It's on CW. And you're playing the wife of that incredibly hot I'm dancer, Tay who, by the way, I once saw in like a jazz class on Broadway really? in New York. Dancer? Like Tay's a dancer? I didn't even Is know. Is he that. a dancer? Oh, my. He's like a ballet dancer. He's a no perf- way. Yeah, he's an incredible dancer. I know he did Hedwig, but I didn't know he was Oh, no, dancing. no. You have to look. I saw him once like in a dance class at like Broadway he Dance Center. He does some do little two step hops in between. Oh takes. yeah, yeah. You, have you to ask call him to do a pirouette. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, and do you want to give out your social handles, like, so we can all follow you and look at ladydreamers.com? Yeah. Uh, I am just at Monet Mazer on Monet Instagram, Mazer. and I you don't are. tweet and I don't Facebook. How about that? Oh, thank God. Oh, and I meant to talk to you about social media, but <laughs> social media. You know how you how you manage it and it's a, your relationship with it and. That we'll do that in part two. We'll do that in part two. Okay, okay. thank you so much, Mo. Yeah. Bye. 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 Thank you so much. That's our episode for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is so fun. I just want to like do this forever, all day, and do nothing else. Like maybe go to spin class and have a salad. But seriously, this is a blast. So please make sure you star and rate and Yelp and Airbnb and do whatever you need to do to um, keep give this episode some props, share it, spread the love. We're going to be setting up the Facebook and the Twitter and the MySpace and the Patreon page as soon as I can figure out how to properly pronounce that. Feel free to email, DM, slide anywhere you need to slide up in all of them because I am a total introvert extrovert. So I like to stay home and just be talking to everyone. Do you see what I'm saying? So I will totally answer emails. If you're calling, that's kind of weird. But just definitely write me. I will get back to you. The Groomed LA Instagram is shockingly at Groomed LA. The Facebook, it's totally anorexic. It's a Hollywood Facebook page. It's like got no people following it. So try following it, I guess. I guess that's what you're supposed to say. That's cool. The Twitter is kind of meh. As you see, I undersell and... Uh, probably under deliver but that being said I'm so glad you're here check out the liner notes or whatever they're called for discounts stay tuned I'm going to have giveaways sleepovers slumber parties I don't know play dates thanks for listening guys we'll see you with our next episode who is going to be Ryan Gosling or someone equally as as kind of weird and strangely I don't know I don't know what he is I would say cool but he's not even cool he's just like he coined a term like hey girl like i mean that's kind of cool so okay ryan gosling or someone as cool as him okay bye